Thanks so much for joining us today on Leesburg Community Church's podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, including directions and service times, please visit leesburgcc.org. On our website, you can also find notes and daily devotionals based on this teaching. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you liked today's message. Well, church, I want to share our passage for today. It's from Luke 10, 25-37. And here's how it goes. Luke chapter 10, 25-37. On one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Literally to tempt him. And he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus pointed him back to scripture. What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all your strength, and with all of your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself for trying to tempt Jesus for asking such a a foolish question. And so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And not an outrageous question because they had this argument all the time. Who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. When he saw the man, he passed by. On, when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. And then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robber? Well, the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, here it is, go. And do likewise. If we look at this quickly, our time this morning, I didn't intend for us to go deep into this passage. But what I really want us to do is to look and understand that while we are called to go abroad and we are called to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, we are called to live like Jesus right here. We are called to love our neighbor right here, the one who's right next to us, the one that we pass by on the street, the one who is around the corner, the one that we have influence with. My great prayer for our church is that this would be a church of great influence that your influence in people's lives would expand. And I am praying that daily for each of you, that in that influence that is expanding, that you would be able to pour your lives out physically, emotionally, but more than anything else with the word of God that others might know the great treasure that we have. Here's what we know. The road from Jerusalem down to to Jericho was dangerous. We don't know if this was a true story or if this was a parable, but Jesus didn't call it a parable. 
And there was nobody, at least as it was written, that stood up and go, no way, that's ridiculous. Something like that would never happen. The Samaritans hate the Jews. They would never stop. Come on. Well, they weren't complaining that it was a made-up story. That doesn't mean that it wasn't. There's a very high likelihood this was an actual truth. This is actually something that took place. This was an actual event that happened. We don't know if it was or it wasn't. But here's the one thing we do know. We can't make the story mean or say more than it does which would be to cause it to be an allegory. That all of a sudden, everything in this story has hidden symbolism, right? And we can't, we can't make it mean that. For instance, you know, some have said that the victim represents all those who don't know Jesus, helplessly left on the road of life. And the priest and the Levite represent the law and the sacrifices, neither of which can save the sinner. And the Samaritan is Jesus Christ, who saves the man, pays the bill, and promises to come again. The end stands at the local church where believers are cared for. We can't make this passage mean that. Can't do that. What we can do is we can talk about and apply what we do know from this passage, the heart of the passage. The heart of the passage was not about the two priests or the priest and the Levite that passed by, although we can take great understanding. Right? The priest, maybe the, the reason why they passed by is because the priest and Levite had been serving all week. They'd been on duty all week long in the temple bringing sacrifices, and well, they needed to get home. Maybe they didn't want to become unclean. Perhaps because it was such a, a dangerous road to travel and it was extremely dangerous, well then maybe the bandits were just, you know, faking this thing. And it was just going to be too dangerous. Let the guy lay because, you know, maybe it was all, all an act and we're going to go help and suddenly we're going to get the ones that are going to be robbed. Oh man, we might get hurt if we help somebody. You know, after all, it's not the, the priest or Levite's responsibility, you know. It was the guy that got attacked. What was he thinking? Being by himself or different things or ah. I, I, got, I, got, I can't get involved in his mess. Uh, maybe, maybe they thought the road is so busy. I've worked all week. I'm going to get home. Somebody else is bound to come along. Maybe that's what their thought was. Maybe the priest said there's going to be some Levites coming, and you know, this is a little bit beneath me, so, or you know, I shouldn't be doing these type of things. So the Levite will come. Well, the Levite saw the priest go by, and the Levite came, and he did what was taught to him by, oh, whoa, that's a bad example. We don't know. We just know that they passed by on the other side. We just know that they didn't stop and help. We just know that they didn't offer themselves as a sacrifice to the one that was laying hurt and bloody and beaten and without hope. That's all we know for sure. I wonder if any of those excuses have ever come into our minds as we've passed by people, as we've overlooked people's situations. We've been too busy. It's too messy. It's too hard. I, I can't talk about your story. I can only talk about mine. And my story? Those are my excuses. Those are mine. Those are the ones I often use. I helped a lot of people already today, God. I don't know if I have enough time for one more. Those are my type of excuses. So what is it that we do know? We know that we had some self-righteous Pharisees who were trying to trick Jesus into declaring one command being greater than another command and to try to trap him and discredit him. We also know that Jesus did what he always did. He took that moment, an amazing moment, and he taught. He taught, he taught. He taught what life was going to be like to live out their faith. What their faith was supposed to mean. 
what it was going to mean, be to mean to live as one of God's children, one of the ones who had been lavished with mercy and grace, one of the ones who had been sacrificed for. He took a moment and said, this is who we are to be. When you say you love God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and then you say you're going to love others with that same love that has been poured out unto you and you're giving back and the overflow of that love is going to pour out into people, then let me tell you how that should be. We don't look for the way out. We look for the way in. We don't look for the way to escape. We look for the way to be involved. We don't look for the way to ignore. We look for the way to embrace. That's what we look for. And so here's what we can pick out from the Samaritan in the story. Who hated Jews? Maybe not this particular Samaritan, but the Samaritan people hated Jews, and the Jews hated the Samaritan people. They were enemies of one another. They didn't want to be around each other. The Jews considered them unclean. The Samaritans, <laughs> they had all sorts of things they considered the Jews. But here's what we can learn from the one who stopped, the one who helped his enemy, and not just the one he liked. The one that who knows? Maybe he had thrown insults at him at some point or another, and yet he stopped. We don't know. We don't know, but here's what we know, is that he was available. So how do we live out this amazing life that God has given us that overflows from the love and the mercy and the grace that he's shown us? How is it that we go and do likewise? We make ourselves available. Every single day, we live not with the death grip on our life and our choices and the things of this world, but we live with open hands to God saying, how will you lead me today? Where will you guide my steps today? What type of influence will you give me today? Who will you allow me to interact with today? How will you use what you have given me to benefit somebody else, to give into somebody else's life, to share the treasure that we have found in you? We live available. We walk available. It says this, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, that means he was busy. He was doing something. He was going from one place to another, just like us. Came to where the man was. And when he saw him, which means that he crossed his path, there would be influence available. They came into our sphere of influence. And he took pity on him. The word pity could also have been translated compassion. To take compassion on him. The word compassion means to suffer with somebody. So we will be available to God. That he would guide and lead our steps. That we would offer ourselves to another willing to suffer with them. Why? Because our Father in heaven, through Jesus Christ, suffered on our behalf. That we would have an unending amazing, gracious, merciful relationship with him. He suffered on our behalf. You're going to share your time. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring out oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey and brought him to the inn and took care of him. How is it that we're going to live out this life? How is it that we're going to go and do likewise? We're going to be available when God says, hey, I want you to stop. Then we're going to offer our time. We're not going to go, hey, by the way, I'll pray for you. Sometimes that's very appropriate. Most of the time, we're going to need to stop when the Lord says, be available today. Be available in this moment. We're going to stop and we're going to offer our time. We're going to have to sacrifice something on somebody else's behalf. We're going to have to rearrange a day. We're going to have to pull back for a minute. And you're like, you don't understand. The Lord absolutely understands. If he has directed you, he understands. You don't understand what I'll sacrifice. He absolutely understands what you'll sacrifice. He absolutely understands what you might have to leave at the altar. He absolutely understands what he will rearrange in your life for that to take place. He absolutely understands. So we're going to make our time available. 
Look, the Samaritan was available to go. He was available to stop. He was available to have his steps redirected and reprioritized. He trusted the ways of God were better than his ways, so he offered his time. Can I tell you how people this week in this church, how followers of Jesus Christ have offered their time? Well, we had people visit those that were in the hospital this week. We had people serve communion in a care facility for those that had Alzheimer's and, and dementia. We had a group of people meet at 5 a.m. every morning this week to pray for the families in, church, in, in our church. We had people meet on Wednesday morning and on, on Wednesday evenings to pray for us. Listen, that prayer while it's out there in the lobby, put your prayer request on there. There are people coming through daily praying for each one of those cards, lifting you up to the Father, fighting on your behalf, taking time out of their day, being available to fight on your behalf. Put your prayer request up there. Pray for the people you have influence over. Pray that you would be bold and available to go into people's lives because there's people praying for them. We had Bible studies held in retirement homes and care facilities around Leesburg and western Loudoun County. We had teachers that go to this church holding Bible studies for their co-workers in their classes. That's amazing. We had a luncheon for our senior saints that many from all age groups came and served and created an amazing afternoon for them. We had people who showed up, who, who picked up clothing and furniture and dropped off clothing and furniture. We had people folding and organizing and praying over clothing and furniture that would be distributed. On Saturday, we had people who shared the truth of who Christ is, and they helped those who were in great need right here in our city and in our place. They gave up their time. They prayed for those who were hurt and needing healing. And today, people are partnering with our families by sharing the truth of Christ with children. They are sharing time by loving one another through Bible studies and prayer groups that are meeting right now. You see, people are giving their time so that others may grow in Christ, have needs being met, and so many more things are happening in our body of Christ right here. Finally, we see that they shared, he shared his resources. It says, the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. He shared his resources. Yes, we're talking about money, no doubt, no doubt. We're also talking about our home and our our cars, and all those physical resources. But we're talking about more than just a physical resource. We're talking about all that God gave us, that we are willing to share those resources, to sacrifice for others. I heard an amazing story about a family who took in foster kids that they found, and it wasn't really like an actual foster system. <laughs> they met these homeless teenagers, and he kept seeing them over and over again, and he said, you know what? You're going to come into my house. You're going to live with us. Oh, yeah. Sacrifice his resources. Today, we're asking you to pray for Mosaic. Why? Because there's a whole lot of women that are in crisis. And they need to come and, and talk to somebody. And they need to find out that there's alternatives. That they don't have to abort their baby. That there can be life that's given. And so there's resources that are given. Our church gives resources. People give the resources of their time. They bring, they bring diapers to the Mosaic ministry. They bring car seats to Mosaic ministry. They give of their resources. In two weeks, we're going to have a brand new coalition meet here on a Thursday to discuss how our church and other churches in the area can be more involved in the foster system and how we can support kids that need parents 
because the parents are either struggling, not there, made poor choices, whatever it was, but these kids are the ones that are suffering. And so how can the church step in with their resources and meet a child who, for all intents and purposes, is left half dead on the street? We can do that. But the greatest resource we have to give, Mike, would you come up here? The greatest resource we have to give is the Word of God. And we pass out the Word of God every chance we get. And we give the Word of God to whoever will allow us to put it in their hands. And the greatest resource you have to give somebody is the Word of God that comes from your heart, which is why we say in every message, the greatest application I can give you is to be in the Word of God every day and let it flow from your life and give it away because with the Word of God comes life. With the Word of God comes the wellspring of life. With the Word of God comes salvation. With the Word of God comes the knowledge of who our God is. And Mike, you're here and you're with the, the Gideons International. And uh, man, I thought the Gideons were just the dudes that put the, somehow these ended up in the, you know, the hotel. The hotel. Right. And I was like, I didn't know you were real people. No, I'm a real person. That's good. Like, I, I didn't know. <laughs> hey, tell us a little bit about the Gideons who take the word of God into the lives of people. Tell All us right. a little bit. Thank you, Pastor. Uh, I'm out of here. Well, not really, but... That's what the girlfriend said to her boyfriend in the Central African Republic. You see, he had a decision to make. Uh, he was going on a business trip with a little bit of casual and uh, fun with it. And so does he take his wife or his girlfriend? He decided to take his girlfriend. Not a good choice. But he gets in the hotel room. He sits down and she's unpacking. And there's a Bible there placed by the Gideons. And he opens it up. He's not a religious man, but he associates the Bible with God. We don't know what he read, but he opened it up and he said to her, I can't be in this room with you. And that's when she said, okay, I'm out of here. And she left. Now, he's got a lot of free time on his hands. He didn't plan on. So he begins reading the Word of God. And he reads over in the New Testament and he finds out about a man called Jesus. And he's intrigued by Jesus and what he reads. So he flies home. As he's driving to his house, he stops at the first church he sees. He goes in, and the pastor happens to be there. And he asks the pastor, can you tell me about Jesus? And he took the Bible, which incidentally, you can't steal a Gideon Bible. It's okay. He took the Bible, and the pastor led him to the Lord. Doesn't end there. His whole family became Christians. And today, this man and his family serve in a church in the Central African Republic, and he is a Gideon. So who are the Gideons? Well, the Gideons are people like myself, 250,000 men and women, husbands and wives, in 201 countries around the world. We have one purpose, to carry out the Great Commission, to see people come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We do it two basic ways. Number one, Pastor Tim is talking about our witnessing. We use what we call a PWT. It has some helps in the front, it's a New Testament, the Psalms and Proverbs. And in the back, it has the plan of salvation. Well, we have a goal, and that is to witness at least to one person every week. That would be 52 and pass out a New Testament. Secondly, we pass out scriptures in the highways and byways of life in those 201 countries, in hotels and motels and colleges, universities, schools, prisons and jails, fire and rescue people. And we've done this pretty well this year. Actually, we passed out 87 million scriptures one at a time last year. We're passing out Bibles at the rate of almost three per second in our countries. 
So that's our two goals, our one goal and our two ways we do it. Let me just tell you how important your church is. Without this church and other evangelical churches giving to this ministry and in praying for this ministry, we would not exist. There are three basic things that the church does for us. Pray, that's a resource. Two is we have Gideons that come from local churches. Our Gideons and wives have to be members in good standing of a local church approved by the pastor for service. And number three, of course, are the resources, the finances. Our Bibles cost about $1.30 per Bible. And as you can tell, that would be a lot of money. I'm going to be out in the hallway after this service. And if you'd like to know more about the Gideons, I'd love to talk to you. Uh, your church is already making a donation to the Gideons. I have one last story for you. Lori, when she was nine years of age, contemplated suicide, a nine-year-old girl because she was raised in an abusive home. Her brother went to college and got a New Testament. He gave it to her because he didn't want it. She read it off and on, but by the time she's 19 years of age, Lori was going to end her life for sure on Christmas Eve. But she cried out to God one last time, God, if you're real, show me. And in her spirit, God spoke to her and said, go get that little green book, that New Testament, and open it up. She opened it up to John 3.16. For God so loved the world he gave. She went to the very back page. And she read. Now let me just tell you her situation. At the time when she was 19. She had been abused physically, emotionally, phys uh, psychologically and sexually. And she weighed almost 400 pounds. When she read that last page. And she asked Jesus to come into her life. Her testimony is. Her life changed because God's word does not return void. Lori went to college. She became a counselor. And today she owns Christian counseling centers in her hometown in Tennessee. All because God's word does not change. Pastor, thank you for having us. God bless you. Thank you for Mike, hold on a sec. Okay. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Mike and, and the many 250,000 people who have given their lives and their time to you first, but then to say, we'll take the word of God wherever you'll ask us to go. Father, over the last couple months, I've heard stories about men and women traveling all over the world from one place to the other to declare your great name through your great word. Millions and millions of Bibles being passed out. That is amazing. Father, you are bringing life to people through your word, and we want to be a part of that. We're ready to go and to share. So I thank you for Mike and those that have given themselves to this, Father, great ministry. And may you use them and may you, may you give them great influence and may your word have great power throughout this nation and the nations of the world, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, and Mike's going to be right outside and we would challenge you to go visit him and to see him and talk to him. We are going to give a gift to the Gideons because that's what we're going to do with our offerings and our our tithes and our moment of joy, we're going to say, hey, Lord, how do you want us to use that? And we're going to give it to him. But I'm going to say this, Mike, the gift we're going to give you is not enough. All right, it's not enough. Sitting there, I, I just, I heard something different from the Lord, so we, we need to give you a little bit more. How about if we put 500 Bibles in the hands and we just make sure that there's enough to cover that and we'll see what else God will do next. We'll see what else he'll do. We'll see how he'll lead us in the future. But, Mike, I want you to at least 
have that much from our church today. Okay? And uh, here's the thing. The Word of God, there's no greater resource. Put it in the hands of somebody. Share it with somebody. Let it flow from who you are. Why? Because you, just like the Samaritan, are going to be available to what God does. And you're going to be available. Then you're going to be willing to share your time. You're going to be able to share your resources. And finally, I said that he went back to the end to check on the person that he helped. We've got to follow up with people. It doesn't end with just going, hey, hey, I want to just tell you quickly about Jesus. Let's find a way to follow up. Let's find a way to be the church in one another's lives. Let's find a way to walk with people through the difficult times of this life. Let's find a way to walk with one another, helping each other to grow up in the word. Let's follow up with one another. We're going to go right here in Leesburg. We're going to go out right here in Loudoun County, as well as to the end of the earth. So Father, help us to do just that. I thank you for those that have been baptized. I thank you for those that have been dedicated. I thank you for those that have worshiped this morning, those that call you their king and their savior. And Father, now may you send us out and may we go in your name and do that which you've called us to do, to give ourselves away. Father, whether it's down the street handing out clothes and furniture, which I praise you for that, because your message was declared yesterday in so many ways through prayer and through scripture and in so many ways, and we can't wait to get back there with the people that showed up there. We met people, we heard stories, we know now about families, we've made connections, and Lord, we want to follow up. Father, take the resources of our church and may your word go far out into the outer reaches of this world. And Father, may you continue to lead us and guide us how we, Lord, how we will be used in your kingdom. Give each person here great influence, Father. In your name we pray, amen. Be blessed. We'll see you next week. If you need prayer, I'll be up here.